ever been asked to perhaps alter or change or modify the breed status of a certain pet in order to allow them to get into an apartment, a building, or whatever? This week, we want to talk about some of the ethical, moral, and just plain old sticky situations that veterinary professionals find themselves in when someone asks them to maybe not tell the whole truth about a breed or animal. This week on The Veterinary Viewfinder. Welcome back to The Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. And if you're like me as a veterinary professional for 30 years, there have been plenty of times when clients have asked me maybe to omit a certain aspect of a pet's breeding or etiology, genealogy, something in order for them to satisfy the requirements on a form. But is that always right? Are we somehow encouraging this type of misbehavior? We're going to talk about that and a whole lot more. But before we do, as always, I am one of your co-hosts, Dr. Ernie Ward. And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. And Becky, this one is a thorny one, especially for us veterinarians and veterinary technicians. So maybe kind of give us a scenario that, that you think we want to talk about today with the viewfinders. Well, sure. I think we've all been here, right? At some point in time or another, our clients come to us and say, oh, I need some kind of documentation that says my pet is not exactly what they are uh, <laughs> in order for them to be represented differently because of what we know are a lot of breed stereotypes. And I think pit bulls are probably the ones that we face this the most with. But we also know that insurance companies ban or get bent at least about breeds like shepherds right. and mastiffs and you name it. And so I had a friend reach out to me um, asking about a um, health certificate, an international health certificate, and getting a dog into a country where pit bulls are not allowed in the whole wow. country, the whole country. And what would like what could we do to make the dog not a pit bull on paper? <laughs> right, right. And I was like, well, I don't know what we could do. And that's definitely between you and your veterinarian. But also as technology advances, right? And as we have more and more genetic testing, I'm starting to wonder like what the liability is going to be when we as veterinary professionals decide we're willing to blatantly lie on a piece of paper. Wow, that is a lot to talk about, viewfinders. I mean, Becky, you just sort of nailed a whole lot of, of controversial and contentious or potentially contentious topics that we're dealing with. The first thing is, you're right. I have been asked innumerable times to say, can we just leave it as a mixed breed instead of like a mixed pit bull? You know, because oh, yeah. I'm trying to get into a house or whatever, right? I'm trying to get insurance or whatever, right? We've all been there. Back in the day, it was all about the wolf hybrids. And I would just tell people, I don't want to hear anything about the word wolf, right? We're just, this is a husky mix, right? This is a shepherd mix, right? Because we knew that obviously wolf hybrids were a whole different, you know, species and couldn't get them rabies vaccines and so forth, licenses and all that stuff. So Becky, what I love where you just spun this is, well, wait a second, guys, we now have DNA tests because 30 years ago, right? It was yeah. your word against whomever's. You could say, well, to me, it looks more like a lab than a pit bull. But now, wow, what kind of culpability, liability are we going to have if they can do a DNA test that says this is 98% pit bull? <laughs> oh my. Yeah. Well, I think about the like apartment buildings that make you turn in a poop sample for genetic like yeah. testing. So if your dog 
poops and you don't pick it up, they know. I don't know if that's true, if they're actually doing that, because I don't know any genetic tests. No, I've, I've, I've heard these exact reports. I've heard these, right? So they right. can tell if you didn't pick up after your dog. Somehow, but now right. you're saying, wait a second, we need a cheek swab before you Yeah, I'm like, key. I don't know that you can really tell by poop, but the, it, it is probably enough to scare people and solve the problem, right? And I think that's right. just, it is, is the, the average individual doesn't understand a whole lot about genetics and what they know is what they learn from CSI. And that's basically any remnants <laughs> of body fluid gets you nailed, right? So, right. you know, I get that. But I mean, what what if they actually do start using these genetics and they are doing genetic testing? These same dogs that you're giving poop for are the same ones that we're writing into the record that it's a lab cross or, you know, whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, this is really interesting viewfinders to me because you know, again, back in the day, you could plead ignorance. Well, I thought it was a mixed breed. You know, yeah. it I'm sure, sure its head looks like a pit bull, but the rest of it looks more like a lab to me. You could get away with that legitimately, right? I mean, who's going to prove you right or wrong? Sure. But now it's as simple as a cheek swab, send it off for 99 bucks, and voila, you have your answer. And I, I love where you're also headed with this. And I don't want us to take us too far down this road because I love this, this conversation. But also, like, again, apartment complexes, you know, property insurance, they may, what if they just start requiring this? Hey, we want to verify that your dog is what you say it is and not just what you put on that paper. Well, exactly. Right. And then where does the liability come in? Because now the owner can play the middleman. Well, my veterinarian said it was this. How would oh, I know? Wow. My veterinarian, how often do you take that puppy, go to your vet and say, what do you think it is? And you just point this little hairy mix ball at your and, and we <laughs> right. inevitably pick some trait and say well you know it's got black spots on its tongue it's probably a chow mix right like right. you know we just pick these traits and we run with it when truthfully when we when we do the genetic testing we're learning more and more with the genetic testing and saying like oh they're actually like you know poodle terrier mixes that come out looking somehow like a shepherd you know we're learning that and they absolutely could start requiring that and if they do who is who's who's going to be most responsible at the end of the day? My my Layla, she I say she's a pity mix, right? Right. She is a pity mix. I did her genetics. She is literally every breed of bully mixed together. Like she is not a pure quote unquote pit bull that doesn't exist, but she is every mix of pit bull making her a pit bull. So <laughs> right, like right. I could call her a mix and she absolutely is, but she is a mix of every breed that you don't want in that apartment complex. So uh, again, I worry a little bit about the backlash, the liability, and and how quickly the owners could easily just put it on us saying, oh, well, my vet signed off to that. Right. And, and again, viewfinders, this is why people like Becky, myself, and others have been very outspoken about our, you know, objection to breed bands because Seriously. it is much more complicated than just what your, you know, your genes are not always your destiny. They certainly influence it, but epigenetics or your environment around it, you know, controls a lot. And really for behavior, there's a lot of, of traits that we can absolutely condition one way or the other. So, you know, and you can take a Pomeranian and make them more vicious than any pit bull, right? So, Truly. I mean, so again, you know, I just don't want us to get, this is why I don't like this. But, but okay. So first, first thing viewfinders, I think Becky is absolutely right. There may be a legal concern moving forward, right? So I think that's the first thing. It's like somehow if you put this on the form, then your friend asks you to say, can you just make it a lab mix instead of a pit bull mix? And you do this, there may be actually a way to prove that conclusively, or at least as far as the science can take us today. And you may have some legal liability. But Becky, more importantly, as you brought, brought out in the very first little scenario, it's like, okay, what about morals and ethics? I mean, you know, what about professional deportment here? I mean, you know, you're being asked to do this stuff all the time. I've done it. I've 
I've done this. I, I'll oh, be yeah. the first to admit, viewfinders, I have done this innumerable times. And, and I've never felt guilty about it because I was like, this is ridiculous that they're asking this anyway. But right. Becky, what about the morality and ethics around this? So I think that's it, right? Is that we feel that it's stupid because what we understand and know about breeds and because we aren't insurance providers and because it isn't important to us in the way that it's important to them. So I think you're right. I think we feel indignant. So we don't think twice about falsifying a record, right? And that's what right. we're actually doing. Now, in any other circumstance, we would not falsify a record knowingly. Right. So I Good think point. we justify the ethics in in our own, you know, what do they say? Uh, where you stand depends on where you sit. <laughs> right, so, right. right. Like we're from where we're sitting, it looks stupid that you're banning a pit bull, right? Now, if I own an apartment complex or even maybe a house and I was a kid who was mauled by a pit bull as a child, right? It doesn't feel so stupid all of a sudden. Right. Or, you know, if truly my insurance company, whether I like it or not, is is not going to allow it and I could lose my home. Right. So we're falsifying these records on our own personal justification in a circumstance where we we never would otherwise. I think that's something to really think about. It, it is. Oh, but man. like you and I said, what what would we rather do? Have the owner come in and say, I now have to surrender my dog. Right, right. Oh boy, I love this. And viewfinders, just from a, a veterinarian's perspective here, I love this example that Becky's laying out. Because again, in the past, there was really no way to prove or disprove it was your word versus versus mine. And I would say, well, look, even though the head looks like a pit bull, the spirit, the body is like a lab, right? So, I mean, yes. whatever, whatever argument you want to make. But now you could prove here's a test, you're wrong, and why did you falsify this, right? Or whatever. And maybe you can get away with ignorance in some of these cases, but maybe you can't. But, but let's put it back in another example, Becky. Like like, let's say that I'm a veterinarian who objects to vaccinations, right? There are some anti-vaxxer vets sure. out there, okay? And they say, you know what? I'm not going to give this older dog or cat a rabies vaccine because I object to it. I think it's wrong. From where I'm sitting, I see it as wrong and unnecessary, you know, burden that you're creating for this dog and putting them at risk potentially or whatever. So you falsify a rabies vaccine and license, right? Now, everybody listening today probably clearly says that's wrong. Dr. Yeah. Ward, that's that's you you're going to lose your license, right? But at the same time, literally we could be in a similar situation. So now let's say and, and gosh, Becky, I'm just, I'm gaming this out and now I'm getting very scared and I, I'm worried now about all those pit bulls that I said yeah. were, were mixes. But let's say now you game it out and that you say it's a mixed breed or whatever. It goes into an apartment complex. It attacks somebody, whatever, you know, provoked or not. It doesn't matter. There's someone injured and it all comes back to you and you go, hey, it looked like a um, lab to me. They do a test. Becky, you see where I'm headed with this? I mean, this could really end badly. 100% yes. Like, uh, and, and what I'm wondering too is that like, so I think about what if you signed that paper five years ago and they've lived in that complex for five years, but on year six or seven, they now require genetic testing. Right. So it doesn't even have to be the dog you're signing a paper for today. What is the chances that dogs be vouched for in the past when the policy changes and we now have to prove it or um, if it has to be verified some other way? What does that liability look like? And the only way to find out is to get burned, right? Someone is going to get burned over this. And then we're going to say, we told you so, and that they should have listened to us. But, you know, like, it, it's going to, like, this won't be a problem till it's a problem. Right. And then we will be behind the eight ball again, right? Then we will be reactive um, and, and working on how do we, you know, right? how do we fix this? If we are in front of it, if we work through the legislation, if we help to, you know, basically ban breed bans, right? Like, because 
because they're crazy, right? And we know that. Um, Is there something we could do to be more proactive that this doesn't happen? But my concern is like, what we did yesterday could bite us in the butt tomorrow. And I think that's oh, yeah. even, a, you know, a bigger concern too, in terms of like, what are you going to do when somebody asks you to, you know, you're riding to work, listening to this today, you get to work and you hear this. Um, what's your new clinic policy going to be? Are you going to sign off on it or not? Well, and I'll tell you, this leads me back to, to something you just sparked a, a memory. So this is probably 20 years or so ago, Becky, but I remember I was at some meeting and, uh, and it was a data entry. So it was one of the computer, you know, PIMS uh, things, and it was a meeting. And I remember at some point going, because we were dealing with this list of mixed breeds and they're like, we need to like get the 100 most popular mixed breeds. And I remember going, why? Like if it's a mixed breed, like, you know, we're now making a judgment. I remember kind of subtly and, and very, very, I would say, uh, gently pushing back on that. So why don't we just make it just mixed breeds, right? Because you're literally making a veterinarian or a veterinary technician make a judgment, right? Based on right. just morphological features primarily. And yeah. is that fair either, right? So Becky, there's another layer of complexity to this, what would appear at, at outset, a simple topic. <laughs> but now it's like, yeah. should we be declaring it's a, a mixed lab, a mixed pit bull, a Pomeranian mix, right? I mean, should we just say mixed, right? I mean, you hear where I'm going with this because there's a liability function now that may be playing out. Well, sure. But now can we take this and divide off the fact that every doodle we put in our computer is a mixed breed, right? So then we get all these designer breeds that are now being recognized as quote unquote breeds that they think are breeds that are still just mixes that they become very indignant if you don't say that it is a poodle mix or a, you know, doodle thing. This is like deep fakes in dogs now, yeah, right? And again, right. I'm speaking mainly to dogs because cats are a little bit more mixed, but uh, you get where I'm going with this. I mean, this is really, wow. Viewfinders, right. there's there's some lawyers listening to our podcast, Becky, that are going, aha, hey, I <laughs> yeah. think I see a new revenue stream. <laughs> but I think that, I mean, that's exactly it, is is that's the case. And, and then the whole thing, and, and you're exactly right, right? Because the lawyers are listening and it's how do we unravel this? How do we unpack this? Because is there a bias that shouldn't be there, right? Is there, um, you know, I, I, I argue both sides because to me, I think that genetic testing is really helpful, especially yes, in the shelter yes. environment. Yes. So like if I had a childhood Pekingese and I go in the shelter and I see this thing has Pekingese cross on it and that's what I really want, but I don't want to buy a purebred. I'm like, oh, I'm I'm buying this. I'm, I'm adopting this dog. It's a Pekingese mix and I'm back to my childhood, right? So you think there's a lot of benefit to that for sure. Um there's a lot of benefit to knowing what the breed mixes are when we talk about breed dispositions and understanding potential health risks. You know, if you've got some cavalier in there, can we be checking that heart good and early, right? right? So there's so much benefit to it, to doing it. But then what happens when we do it and then we now have information we didn't want, right? So right. what happens when you have that dog in there as a lab cross and then you find out it is a pit bull or a boxer or, you know, it's not an Anatolian shepherd. It's a German shepherd right. and it's banned. And and the owner wanted to know what, like, what happens when you've already done the dirty deed and then you get the new information? Do you go back and change it? Like, it's going to open up all kinds of doors. And to us, the ethical conflict. Com- conflict here is probably not super strong until you start picking it apart and really right. holding your own feet to the fire and saying, 
this is oh, falsifying yeah. a record no matter how you look at it are you okay with that and is it only just because it's this then then where's the line right and and it's like a little white lie type thing and you know becky this also intersects somewhat with that uh, we did a podcast a few weeks back viewfinders on norway banning like king charles cavalier and bulldogs right you know from breeding so we talked yep. about that and and you know there's sort of the movement over there against certain breeds the you know chondrodysplastics but becky right i bet you right now in norway there are people that are saying um wink wink nudge nudge this is a a, a frenchy mix yes <laughs> right. get, yeah and then of course they can still sell it right because they're like wink wink nudge nudge yeah, it's, it's a, a frenchy m- beagle mix it's it's why it's tricolored but has a smushed face yeah right. it makes total sense yeah so, so prohibition in these cases just drives it underground exactly and so, so i mean this gets oh this gets even more complicated guys because you may literally have that to deal with in the near future wow right because then again now you're dealing with I okay we're extrapolating here but I was thinking about that even in terms of like OFAs and stuff like that like if a person comes in and they want something certified and guaranteed on a record that is going to have significant ramifications so we're talking about housing housing right now is desperate I mean yeah. At least in our area, we talked about this not too long ago, but there is nowhere to buy a house for less than $300,000 anywhere wow. in our state. Yeah. It's crazy. People, the housing market is so crazy that people who are renting their homes are now selling them instead. So it's forcing people out. These individuals are now out on the streets with their pets. They can't get in an apartment complex because of the breed. They can't find anywhere else to rent that's affordable. So I, I, I want to say that, like, I don't want to sound like, I'm up here on a high horse or being self-righteous being like, you guys are falsifying records by writing pipples and you're wrong. Like, because I get the emotional need to do that. And if somebody is standing in front of me with a dog that I love and it's client I love and they have nowhere to live, I will call it whatever you want. And I don't care. I don't think about it as falsifying a record. These people are going to be homeless. Right. So that is the ramifications of it are, are quite serious as opposed to what I think in the past. It's like, oh, just find another apartment complex. Don't lie. Right, I don't think right. that's the option anymore. I don't think that that's actually happening anymore. And, and in the cases where we have entire cities and entire countries where there is a ban, what happens to these dogs? Right. Because I think that's the other thing is we are in an ethical conflict because if we don't lie, does a dog end up in a shelter? Well, here in North Carolina, in many con- counties, if a pit bull enters a shelter, it will not leave 100%. They will only destroy them. They will not adopt them out. So this creates, I mean, conflict on, it's an onion of, of problems when we really start to peel it back. And so while it doesn't seem like a big deal and it's kind of funny off of the top, where's the line? Is it homelessness? Is it crappy elbows for a dog that they yeah. really want to breed? Is it a genetic eye condition that isn't manifesting? So we'll just skip over it because I think a lot more of those scenarios are out there than we're even just recognizing today. And maybe then we even really acknowledge in our day to day as being ethical conflicts. Right. And, and I do want to now spin it slightly to the to one of the other things that you brought up initially, Becky, and that is sort of the social pressure that we feel as veterinary professionals when confronted with these dilemmas. Right. So so a person reaches out to you, a friend, a coworker, a, a client, and they ask you to do this. Right. I mean, this also chips away at your being right this just you know somewhere in you that wow okay this is a little bit on the gray zone we then go through a series of justifications and rationalizations in our brain to get where we sit okay to see it from where we're sitting and uh and then you know at the end of of 
20 or 30 years, like me, you know, you kind of sit back and go, well, dang, Ernie, <laughs> I don't know yeah. if that was the right thing to do or not. So Becky, talk to us about the social pressure here and maybe some advice on how to handle it when, when that high school friend from Facebook hits you up and says, hey, can you do me a favor? <laughs> yeah. And that one was easy for me because I was like, mm, you're going to have to talk to your vet and see what they say, you know? And so there was, there was the immediate out for me because it wasn't a situation where I would have been right having to sign anything. But I was thinking about that as a friend, as a social pressure. Unfortunately, I think if I'm being really honest, I collapse to the social pressure. Um, yeah. Mostly be, be, not so much the social pressure, but because I have pit bulls and I love pit bulls and I don't want them banned and I don't want to picture a world without them. And so I don't want to support any environment without pit bulls. Um, so I think if I'm being really honest, I'm falsifying the records and um, risking it. Right. And, and again, you know, there's a, a part of what makes people confident. You know, there's there's the self-esteem and there's also a component called self-efficacy. And, and you know, Becky, this is what I always say, you know, the pursuit of virtuous, right? So like in this situation, the social pressure, you feel like you are pursuing a virtuous or just path. Yeah. So you're saying this is wrong that you may be denied living or, or traveling or whatever due to a ban, a breed ban that I disagree with. I believe it is right. wrong. So this this virtuous aspect of it also leads us to, as you say, cave in and capitulate because we're kind of like, hey, you know what? It's, this is, no, I disagree with this, so therefore I do it. At the end of the day, though, as we've already pointed out, <laughs> there may be a legal yeah. impact on you. So this is, wow. You know, Becky, what I love about some of these conversations with you and the viewfinder family is the fact that at surface level, like you said, it just seems like a little funny stuff. I mean, but yet when you crack that, that shell, oh boy, it gets real complicated. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the legal aspect of the license is what we're going to have to lean into when we know we can't do it. Yeah. And so uh, there have been multiple times we've had to do things in our in our past where it's it's we don't want to. And we've been able to lean into like, I, I would 100 percent do that for you, but it would really be jeopardizing my license. Right. And unfortunately, right. I can't do that. And I feel like most people get that. But like I'm thinking about how clients will say to us how we, you know, we must hate animals and not care about them because we won't treat them. Right. Like when right. we run into that situation. So, like, I feel like that's what we're going to get back. Well, you must not care about my dog. He's going to end up in the shelter. I guess I'll right. just have to turn him out on the street because I can't be homeless and my dog can't live here. Or I guess I'll just have to risk eviction. I mean, people can pull some really strong, strong yes. emotional, um, you know, guilt trips on us when we do stick by our, our, our boundaries and we do stick by our own ethics. And so, as I always say, as we always say, I think this is something you guys need to be in front of as a clinic. You have to have a policy as a clinic. If, if it is not something you allow, no matter what, then like, it's like my license and my job. Unfortunately, I'll have to move in with you and your pit bull into the tent, you know, and you can <laughs> right. make that funny joke. Um, <laughs> we'll all be evicted if I do this, you know? Right. And so it, it, but I think being ready, like we always say, having that dialogue, being ready and not caught off guard will make all of the difference. And I think you should at least have a moment with yourself and think about what you're doing ethically and morally and, and where you stand with it and and how you're going to face it if, if it's not something you're willing to do. And, and you know, if you find yourself, I've prided myself my entire career of always like 
having anticipated these types of dilemmas and then training my team. And, and I didn't train about this, Becky. I mean, this yeah. was one completely whiffed on. Uh, I love this. The other thing too, Becky, I just want to come back to one thing you said that I thought was really salient. And that is, you know, when clients want to attack you, when they really want to go for the jugular, they attack our purpose, right? So yeah. why you do it? Like, and, and of course the easy one is to say, well, you know, if you loved animals, you would do this for me. And let me tell you that is for most of us a deep part of our purpose and yeah. that erodes your self-confidence, right? So you're oh, yeah. chip. And that's, that's what I was trying to say earlier, viewfinders, is the fact that these little hits, these little chips just eventually, you know, husk you out hollow. And, and yeah. suddenly that purpose really, you, you're, you're questioning it and you're like, what, what am I even doing here anymore? And that, that breaks my heart. Well, I think it's important to remember your brain doesn't know the difference between a truth and a lie. And yeah. whether you tell it to yourself or somebody else tells it to you, your brain can interpret a lie as truth. And I think that's where the constant rhetoric that we hear, it's not a big deal or you would do it if you cared. Those little chips away that you're talking about, our brain does not have the ability to recognize them as self-truth yeah. or non-truth. And so we really have to work hard to know our own truth and to reiterate it to ourselves and find these little scenarios that could potentially be chipping away at you in a way that you don't even realize or know, or your staff, right? Because again, this is another CSR red alert. This <laughs> right, might be happening right. in your clinic with you having no idea. Right, right. I called to make an appointment for my dog in a new clinic yesterday because her regular vet couldn't see her. And um, I really want to get her seen. I didn't want to wait. And frankly, the associate vet there is not my favorite, and that's who she could see. So we okay, went to a different okay. vet. Okay. And... Um, CSR took my name, the dog, the breed, the age, all of the information that is now on record. When I go to the vet today, it is what he is going to have in front of him as truth from the CSR. Yep. That is and what are the chances he's going to go back and change it? What are the chances he's going to go back and say, oh, she's definitely not a Chawini mix. She's a, <laughs> right. she's definitely a pointer mix. You know, like he's not right. going to do that. And so this is a red alert CSR because this could be coming down on the team that you're training the least. This could be coming down on the team that doesn't even have the SOPs. So make sure everyone in the clinic has this picture, but understand that your CSRs are going to be frontline for this. Yep. So the first thing I would recommend viewfinders that you do after listening to this podcast is number one, go and talk to your vets and vet techs and CSRs, everybody in your team and say, hey, is this happening? And I would start off with the breeds. Do people ever ask us like to not put Pitbull or Shepherd or whatever on there? See if it's, it's happening, right? And, and, you know, hopefully you'll start a conversation there. Then I would say, ask a follow-up question, say, are there any other little things that people ask us to do from time to time that make you a little uncomfortable or question, right? Because like Becky said, this may just be the tip of the iceberg. There may be a lot of ethical dilemmas that are adversely affecting your team morale in the long term for sure. And you want to get ahead of it. And then the next thing to do is based on that information, I would start to create some training modules around this, do some role playing around this. Like Becky said, get a hospital policy around this because you do, sometimes you do need to throw that shield up of, you know, hey, it's not always me. This is the, the hospital. And I, I hate throwing up the policy because you always need to explain the why. But in situations where legalities are involved, I got to tell you, that's one of the first shields that I'm going to throw up. And then, of course, I'm going to support it with the why. I don't know, Becky, sure. any other little follow-ups? Because I feel like this is today a call to action for the viewfinders. I think you should go ahead and start to address this. What started off as just going to be a fun and giggles kind of conversation. Really, I think you see why we wanted to elevate this to, to alert. So yeah, Becky, anything I else? 
I think also being aware of any breed bans in your area, like get in front yeah. of what could be the problem, right? If you're in an area where it's not a problem and there are no breed bans and it's strictly an apartment complex, can you have resources? Can you have, here are the most pet-friendly apartments within 10 miles of here. Um, we know these particular apartments except these particular breeds. Um, I think, like, when I was yeah. in the emergency at hospital and people didn't have financial, the number one thing we ran into, right, no financial resources. Right. I had a list of financial resources because then they couldn't yell at me and say I didn't care and I wasn't helping. Here are 10 people you can call. If none of these people are going to help you, not why should I, but how can I? But there are are here are some tools because most of the time we get frustrated it's just because we feel like we have no nothing to do. So can we have tools to also help anticipatory? Okay, our clients are going to want these things. Um, how can we help them find apartment complexes that will allow these? Help them find Uber Pet that allows the rides. Um, do we have a deal with some of the DNA people that we can get it truly yeah. on board? Because you know what? A lot of those pity breeds are not. Right, <laughs> They're right. not. They just have got the big blocky head. So um, I think having the SOP being ready from a reactionary standpoint, but uh, you know me, I'm always like, what can we do to be proactive before this even becomes a problem and leverage your social media, your newsletters, everything that you have to educate. So your clients don't even have to ask. Here's breed ban info. Here's um, a friendly. Did you know these apartment complexes in our area are really, can you help support them? Cause they support dogs. Like right. proactive education, educate your clients when they're in the mood to consume, which is not when they're sitting in the room. It's when they're on social media. It's when they're surfing your website um, get in front of it. Like we always say, yeah, get in front yeah. of it. Number one, you should have these handouts ready to roll. Email, hand them out, whatever. Yeah. And I love the fact that Becky is saying, you know what, offer them genetic testing. So if you're being put in an uncomfortable position around breed, say, let's have it tested because maybe it's going to be 49% pitbull and 51% lab, which in that case, you know, it's more lab. So, I mean, I'm going right. to let you guys decide from there. The other, th other resource I would add on this sheet is, and this is something you should discover, we had one in our area, is have a, a pet-friendly lawyer, right? Yeah. So, so if you're, because we had this happen, you know, Becky, with apartments, and there was a, an attorney who was very sympathetic to these issues. And I'm going to tell you right now, 99% of the time, a lawyer gets involved and the, oh, yeah. the, the apartment's like, okay, all right, you know, you're going to have to sign this or that, you know, or maybe pay whatever. But, you know, right. so so have maybe a friendly ally there. I don't know. These are great things. Becky, I love the fact that once again, this is one of those topics that isn't being talked about. And I think it really could benefit your practice. Yeah, I want to hear from you guys. What do you do? Has anybody out there already stopped doing it? Are you seeing this as falsifying medical records or am I blowing it way out of proportion? I want to hear what you guys are doing, what you have to say. You know where to find us. Uh, you can hit us up on Facebook and Instagram at Veterinary Viewfinder. You can tweet Yes. at Vet Viewfinder and email us at veterinaryviewfinder at gmail.com. That's right, guys. We want to hear all your, your feelings on this because I got to tell you, there's a lot. Until next week, guys, you guys stay safe and have a great one. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.